Welcome to the Legends of Master Show, everyone. I'm your host, Tom Wheeler, and I am very excited to introduce our guest today. He is a comic book legend, co-founder of Image Comics, and creator of one of my all-time favorite characters, Shadowhawk. Welcome to the show, the legendary Jim Valentino. Hello, sir. Hi, how you doing? Good, good. Uh, man, thank you so much for taking time to do a show. Been a massive fan of your work for a long, long time. <laughs> You're the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what I like to do on the show, uh, we'll bounce around a little bit, I'll, you know, pop pictures in and go over your amazing career, but I like to do a little origin story uh, yourself. So uh, you're originally from uh, Bronx, correct? Yeah, I was born there and spent the first seven years of my life there. Then we moved to the West Coast. Um, and when did you first kind of, I don't know, just kind of fall in love with comics? When I was about two. Wow, really? Yeah. Is that around the same time you got into uh, creating your own comics as well, like that young? I don't know if I created my own comics. I used to draw all the time. I draw on anything, including walls and stuff, which you know my parents loved. Yeah. And uh, uh, mostly off of the TV, though. And my father read comics in World War II. Oh, really? So he noticed that I drew in a very cartoony, comic booky style, and he brought home a stack of comics for me, much to my mother's chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> and I learned how to read. Um, from comics. And you have a very interesting story of just kind of you even deciding to go into the as this as a career. When you were a kid uh, yeah. during my era, um, you were very aware of the fact that as soon as you got out of high school, you were cannon fodder for, uh, um, uh, for the Vietnam War. That's so, a crazy feeling. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it put everybody off, you know, for a while. And, you know, so that's why I was late. I got a late start. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's so wild. And and by the time, like, you, uh, like, right, it was like the like late 70s, kind of professionally getting into your career. Um, you know, by the time you got into Marvel, uh, it was like the titles in the 80s and things like that. I mean, it was, Marvel was pretty happening. Uh, they had a lot of amazing runs going on. Uh, what was that experience, the, the early days, so to speak? What was that experience like just kind of breaking into it and finding your, your way, your voice, so to speak? It was great. I mean, you know, working at Marvel was a lot of fun. Um, Marvel in those days. I mean, it was very cool. I, you know, I, I loved working for Marvel. It was it was awesome. It was, it was just kind of interesting going into it. Like anything you, you, you touch just had an amazing uh, quality of you know, storytelling and, and, and not just uh, the story itself, but pictures and things like that as well. Uh, and this was an amazing uh, what if you this had a very interesting story how this idea even came up uh, for the what if Wolverine joining uh, the agents of shield can you go into that story a little bit um, I I had done a couple what ifs Craig Anderson the editor of what if was also the editor of Guardians of the Galaxy Rob and I shared studios off and on and this was during a time when we weren't sharing a studio but I'd either be at his place or he would be at my place or whatever and I told him Eric Craig was coming in and that he should come on over and meet Craig and we could go out to lunch and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I have an idea for a what if. Like, what? He said, what if Wolverine was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? And I said, right. tell Craig that. <laughs> so he did. You know, he told Craig and Craig just looked at him and went, do it. Just oh. by the title alone, nothing else. And uh, Rob said, well, Jim's going to write it. And he goes, yeah, do it. Do it. it. It wound up being, I think, the best-selling issue of What If ever. 
it was wow. certainly during that run it was the best selling issue because it's, it's just a natural you know i mean it's like you don't yeah. have to say anything else except the title yeah you gets it right away you know, yeah that is interesting too because i talk with people from you know not just comic uh, side of things i talk to imagineers like from disney and it seems like a very it could be a very cutthroat atmosphere uh, Creativity-wise, when whether it's you creating your own book or working on something with somebody else, like something like Marvel or even leading into Marvel, what is that creative atmosphere like as far as working with other artists? Are they pretty open uh, to things, or do you have an idea that you try to strive for? What is that process like? It really depends. It's a bit of everything, you know. So um, you can pitch, and I, I mean, like I pitch Guardians of the Galaxy at them, right? Yeah. And the reason was um, nobody else was doing it, right? Oh, okay. So I figured, yeah. okay, you know, I mean, I can do this. It's in its own sphere. It's in its own um, dimension, I guess now. Yeah. Um, part of the multiverse. And uh, um, and it was great. I mean, everybody, yeah, I only got told no twice during oh, really? my tenure on Guardians of the Galaxy. So that was kind of cool. And you were a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy before you even got into that, correct? Yeah, I was a big fan of uh, Steve Gerber's work. I mean, I loved everything Steve Gerber did. Um, so, yeah, he told me a funny story once. He, uh, uh, We were at a, a room party in San Diego. And he said he was, uh, it was when he was working on Man Thing, right? Oh. And he said he was out watering his lawn one day and his neighbor came over and she was just, you know, a typical suburban housewife. And she asked him what he was working on. And he said, well, I just finished writing a book called giant size man thing. And he said, her eyes got like saucers and she like backed away from him, you know? And he said, he didn't even realize the, you know, context to that, you know, how, how weird that must sound to a citizen. Okay. <laughs> Because for you know for for people at Marvel at the time, you know there was giant size Conan and and everything else. Oh yeah, yeah. Just to be you know to the layman, it'd be uh, pretty bizarre to hear that. Yeah. Um, but now it's it's part of the zeitgeist, correct? Like it, it it's just part of our culture at this point. Which I wanted to ask you too. Just what is it like seeing you know you know working on on these amazing runs you did for Guardians of the Galaxy, and even when it when that came out. For uh, film, the 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 Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, um, you know, what were your thoughts like that finally going to the big screen, so to speak? Well, um, <laughs> I no longer had to explain to people what Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy was, so okay. that was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, um, <laughs> I, you know, I liked the movie. I mean, it had nothing to do with the book that I was doing. It was completely different characters. And I, I think it was a team that was created by uh, by my buddy Keith Giffen, um, I think. Okay. Um, but uh, I, you know, I liked everything about it. I thought it was I thought they were fun movies, and except I hated Yondu. But other than that, I liked everything about it. Yeah, yeah, it's completely completely different than the the yeah. comics. Now there is a character specifically I want to bring up that is a character very near and dear to my my heart. As you can see, I'm wearing a shirt. Uh, it actually started off originally with this character here, Starhawk. Yeah. And can you, can you please go into the story that inevitably led to this here, Youngblood uh, issue two, Shadowhawk. Can you go into how that even came about as a character? I hated Starhawk. 
I, I just absolutely hated him. Yeah. He was my least favorite of all the the guardians because he was a, he was a jerk. I mean, yeah. he, he he would tell all the others, you know, take the word of one who knows. And yeah. as soon as, as soon as shit hit the fan, he'd split. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. He was he was just an asshole. Yeah. Um. So I got rid of him for a while, and then I brought him back. And um, when I brought him back, that the as the dark character, which was very popular in those days, um, I said I wanted to rename him Shadowhawk to yeah. go along with the darkness. And Tom DeFalco, um, Ixnated was one of two things that got Ixnated. And uh, he said that he wanted to keep the name Starhawk for a lot of different reasons, okay. but that he liked the name Shadowhawk, and I should create a new character with that name. So I did. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Um, <laughs> always listen to Tom DeFalco. Um, <laughs> a, a great guy. Yeah, I, I'll never forget. I just uh, walking by uh a newsstand at the time and it literally stopped me dead in my tracks the the first issue shadowhawk and upon looking at the character uh, I, the amazing the design is amazing <laughs> there when they yeah. were very yeah. young yeah i mean how metallic i mean what is the trick right there just what did you use as reference of just drawing things so, the metallic look on there just so breathtaking uh geez i thought i did a technical question for you yeah, I thought I, I, I don't, you know, the guy who did metal better than anybody was Bob Layton. I mean, he was just amazing. Yeah. You know, so I probably looked at some of his stuff and, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. You guys were tackling subjects that just, they made glaze over in the, you know, Marvel and DC at the time, but you guys really attacked. So, I mean, for example, Shadowhawk, uh, there was no like in, into it in the beginning. Like there's this big mystery and, Boom! He's like an anti-hero right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, going how bulletproof he is, and even like the characters he had to fight against, the liquefier. Uh, this was an amazing story itself. What kind of inspired you to go that way, storytelling wise? Well, I thought it would be fun to to do a, a a story of a character that you didn't know who he was. Yeah. You know, yeah. the audience didn't know who he was, so a secret identity taken to the extreme. Um, no pun intended. Um, yeah. And uh, as far as the, the breaking backs and stuff go, that actually came from... Superheroes are the only heroes in the world that don't kill. Every other hero throughout history kills. Star Wars heroes kill. You know, yeah. everyone else kills except Great. superheroes. And, you know, and except superheroes in the movies. I mean, you know... Uh, uh, if you look at the Captain America movies, which arguably are the best of the the Marvel solo movies, oh, he yeah. picks up a gun every every single movie and just blasts away. Yeah. Nobody seems to mind that, but they mind it in comic books for some reason. Yeah. Well, here's the secret: the reason they really don't kill fanboys and fangirls um, is because the villains, if they're good villains, can come back. So you never want to kill off a character like the Joker because he's a great villain. And every yeah. single time he appears, sales go up. So right. that's okay. the reason superheroes don't kill. So looked at it from another angle, if they're actual real-life heroes, 
then let's take the Joker, for example. Yeah. Batman isn't doing his job because he keeps on letting the Joker go free. And he, Joker keeps on escaping because he's, you know, killer smart, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he keeps on killing. So Batman, you know, my, my thought was Batman screwing up. So if you have a guy, if you have a character that's basically, as, as Steve Bissett used to call them, Ditko Roof Runners, okay, which includes yeah. like Daredevil and Batman and all those characters, I thought, well, okay, let's say he can't kill. We're not going to go that far. How about if he just maims? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's where yeah. that came from. See, I, I love that. Yeah, and, and it just drew you in. It was a flawed character. Um, and I think at this point I could stay without, you know, massive spoilers and anything it's been out a while enough uh what made you kind of choose that route just to, for that shock and awe of the unveiling uh, of that it was absolutely amazing uh it just everybody just chomping at the bit for for that release to happen uh what kind of helped you go that storytelling path um well it was dramatic i mean i knew who who shadowhawk was mm. um not sure if i knew who he was during the the first story arc, but by the second arc, I certainly knew who he was. By the time I created Hawk Shadow, I knew who Shadow Hawk was. So I guess that was like the third or fourth issue. Um, it was it was a comment on prejudice, a comment yeah. on on um, xenophobia, phobia. Um, it was a uh, you know that that's what it was. You know, it was sort of like. I, I was trying to say a couple things in Shadowhawk because I felt so bad about the backbreaking stuff because yeah. I was getting letters from kids going, make him more violent. I'm like, yeah, no. So um, I wanted to show that anyone could get AIDS. Yeah. It wasn't a gay disease, which is what it was thought of at the time. Oh, yeah. And that you don't have to be a white guy to be a hero. Right, right. So it was, it was kind of those two things working together. You have a great way of wording things, uh, as you usually do, but uh, just in art in general. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, comic books are art. It was a very untapped resource for the longest time. You know, now they're making movies every other day on this. Um, can you go into your, your thoughts on, like, I know you always like to say, you know, as far as art goes, like, it should make you feel something, whether you like it or not. I mean, you have the right to read the book or not read the book. Uh, but keep going to your concepts of like, you know, let's say someone picks up one of your books and uh, how art should impact you uh, one way or the other. Art is the oldest form of communication. Yeah. Right? And this is proven over and over again if you look at like the cave paintings and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a, a wonderful documentary called uh, Cave of Forgotten Dreams which I absolutely recommend to everyone. Beautiful story about this, this cave that actually the, they used the curvature of the rocks to kind of animate the animals that they were drawing. Oh, wow. Really brilliant, brilliant. So anyways, art communicates, and it communicates across generations. It communicates across... Um, Language, all racial divides, it communicates. Yeah. And that's what it's supposed to do. Now, that communication can be almost anything. It can thrill you. It can make you laugh. It can make you think. It mm -hmm. can make you feel. 
Um, it can do anything like that. It can just simply entertain, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, a lot of people seem to think, oh, well, it's just entertainment. Oh, blow me. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. that's perfectly exactly. okay. You know, yeah. um, there's nothing wrong with that. So it just depends on what you're trying to communicate, what you're trying to get across. If you can get someone to sit down for a half an hour or 20 minutes and entertain them, then you've yeah. done a good job, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what art is. You know, as far as this argument about what's more important in comics, story or art, and I mean drawing okay. at this point, um, the fact of the matter is, is that it's a symbiotic art form. Okay. Yes. If, if you didn't have the script, if you didn't have the, the words there, then it would just be illustration. If you didn't have the illustrations, then it would be prose. Comics are the combination, the marriage of both of them. And as far as which is more important, good art will bring someone into you know to a book okay yeah but a good story will bring them back they are uh, equally important that's a beautiful way of wording it it, it is it is the perfect blend i've yeah. I, that's why we have things like this jules verne's yeah. lighthouse popping in like that's you know coming into that realm as well and it's the perfect form of to me form of storytelling sure sure everything's valid um I, I'm one of those people that believe black and white comics, 3D comics, whatever, sideways comics, uh, yeah. landscape, or, or whatever you want to do. Everything is valid. Everything yeah. is okay if it services the story. It's all good. Great way to word that. Yeah, I, I know. I like like famously Stan Lee had like it'd be like you know everything's plotted out artistically, and then he'll put the words in, and some people have backwards they'll like to start with words and, and then someone draw for that did, did you ever see like uh maybe it depends on the project or do you see like there's a there's not like no one formula for example right uh for that correct a lot of it depends on on you know who, like when i worked at marvel and i was writing for another artist i always wrote full script okay and then let them take it and the reason was i wrote i think it was an issue of what if and the artwork came back and it was nothing like the plot. <laughs> so I, I asked the editor, I go, well, what do I do? And he goes, well, just dialogue it, you know, go oh. along with the art. And I'm like, okay. So I had to completely rethink the story. Um, and then I said, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll write stories for other artists, but uh, I'm going to write a full script. And you know, that doesn't mean it was like as dense as an Alan Moore script, you know, where he'll take three pages oh, to, yeah. to describe one panel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's amazing. I mean, you yeah. can smell the coffee brewing in that panel, but, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, my God. Um, but, you know, it just depends. In, in Stan Lee's case, he was blessed by having – at, you know, two two major storytellers that oh, were just so yeah. good um, between Kirby and, and Ditko. Uh, they were just amazing. Yeah. So, and if you've ever seen, you know, an actual real Kirby page, he wrote everything in, in the margins and in the gutters and on the back of, of the pages. So uh, what Stan would do is, is sometimes he would ignore that because he wanted to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. But 
most of the time what he did is he would take that raw verbiage and then do what record producers call sweetening it which is when you sweeten a record you add percussion or or an orchestra or whatever or background singers or whatever to make the the song to bring it out and make it richer interesting right yeah so that's what he would do so you know people want to put down stan you know in in uh, these days which is ridiculous stan did yeah. an awful lot um, oh, yeah. and he shouldn't be put down kirby was an absolute creative genius oh but Stan, you know, Stan, Stan was like ice cream on the cake. Yeah, there you go. Or frosting on the cake, excuse me. Now, there was a point, I want to go into this because it's part of your story. Uh, I just love seeing the story arc of, of our guests, such as yourself. And you you had an amazing moment in 92. This is being a comic book guy myself and everybody I was growing up with. This was a big deal. This was a big deal. And that's old, going back in the day here, Image Comics, the starting of Image Comics. Can you just briefly, for the person that may not know, just because people may know Image Comics, you know, like Walking Dead and Invincible and things like that and, and all the other runs you're doing. Can you quickly go into, like, how did that even happen for you guys? Oh, boy. Well, <laughs> you, <laughs> I, I would advise you get the Image Comics timeline that's coming out in February of next year. It started with Rob. Um, Rob wanted to do something on his own. Um, he'd had a lot of success first with Hawk and Dove, which, you know, brought him yeah. to the attention of, of the, the X office. And then New Mutants and, and X-Force, yeah. right? So he want he, you know he wasn't satisfied with that. Rob's very young at this point. He's like 22 years old. Wow. Um, we went out to dinner at Rob, Eric Larson, and I um, with Dave Olbrich. And Rob asked him if if Dave, who was uh, the publisher or editor in chief of Malibu at the time, asked him if if he would publish Rob. And Dave started laughing because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He said, would you publish me and Eric? And he goes, yes. He goes, how about me, Eric, and Jim? And Dave is laughing through all this. But I know Rob well enough to know he wasn't kidding. Okay. <laughs> so then he started talking throughout the whole entire summer to the three people that he trusted the most, which were Eric Larson, Todd McFarlane, and myself. Eric signed on right away. Okay. And bless his pointed little head i think he wanted to do savage dragon and and he figured ah, i could do savage dragon through this um todd was retired at the time todd wanted to make oh. todd retired after spider-man 16. Oh, okay yeah. so he wanted to make um trading cards hockey trading cards that that was his goal at the time and he wasn't sure that he wanted to get back into comics me, I wasn't on a million-selling book, and I had five kids to take care of. Wow, yeah. Yeah. So um, I kind of hemmed and hawed, you know, and just said, you know, Rob, it's just a big, big, you know, that's a big move for me. I, I yeah. <clears throat> so it wasn't until it, it, that December, um, Sotheby's had its first comic art auction. 
and they were auctioning off the entirety of, of Jim's X-Men number one, of Rob's yeah. X-Force number one, and Todd's Spider-Man number one, the three biggies, right? Yeah. So before they leave, it, Rob and, and Todd were going together. Todd gives me this call and asks me if I'm in. And I said, are you in? You know, are you wow. going to do this? You're not going to leave us, you know, hanging. Yeah. You're, you're going to really do this. And he said, yeah. And I go, okay, then I'm in. Wow. So then I had to go home and tell my wife. That'd <laughs> oh, be an interesting conversation. <laughs> yeah, I said, you know, I either made the biggest mistake of my life or the best decision oh. I ever made. And she, she was like, oh, God, what did you do now? Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I told her, and uh, she, was, she was behind it. She said, I think it, it'll work. The funny thing was, was when they were in New York, they ran into Mark Silvestri and they told him, you know, Scott, Todd's a great salesman. So Todd sat him down and said, we're going to do this and blah, blah, blah. So whereas Rob started it, Rob gave Image its name, Rob created the Image Eye. Um, all that is Rob, okay? And nobody should ever consider taking that away from him. The name actually yeah. came from a um, TV commercial by Andre Agassi the tennis player really? who turned towards the camera and said, image is everything. Image is everything. And Rob's like, <laughs> that's it. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, but if it wasn't for Todd, I don't think it would have happened. Wow. Okay? Really? Because, well, Todd was, was not only that big, but Todd is, as a personality is that big, right? That's what so, I get, yeah. So they talked to uh, Mark. Mark's in. Mm -hmm. Then they run into Jim. Jim's not sure about it. He needs a night to sleep it over. He says initially that he wants to see the numbers, which is very Jim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, uh, um, but I guess by the next day, he's in. Wow. So I remember Rob telling, calling me up and telling me, and uh, I called up Larry Martyr. Uh, who was a good friend at the time and would later, you know, work for Image mm -hmm. and uh, said, remember that avalanche we've been talking about all summer? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I think it just became an atomic bomb. Yeah. And he goes, why? And so I told him and it was just dead silent on the phone. And then he said, you guys are going to do so much damage. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Wow. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Man, that's amazing. And, and I, honestly, I, I was, had my part to play. Those books were just flying off the shelves every yeah. week, ready for the new thing. It was all – and you guys also had, like, um, just interesting, vibrant colors, the artwork, everything, everything that went into this. What were the first for you, like the first formative years of this, of this, the making the books, Shadowhawk, things like that? Uh, what was that like? The creativity was just going crazy or – it was kind of a whirlwind. I mean, you know, yeah. there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes. Mm. Um, you know, there was uh, doing the, I mean, doing the books, that was our job, you know, all, all of us. I mean, that had been our jobs for years. Um, so, so there was nothing different there. But being on CNN, that was different, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, getting a call you know, and, and San Diego and Comic-Con, can you can you do a morning show for us, a San Diego morning show? And I'm like, 
Uh, I don't know. When? Five o'clock. Like, okay, I just won't sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's just all. Make right. sure they have coffee. <laughs> so, yeah. Really, just on the outside looking at it, it looked like just like a whirlwind. Uh, and it, it, yeah, it sounds like it. Uh, and, and you were publisher from uh, 99 to uh, 2004, correct? Yeah. Man. And you also, you know, you brought a lot of like stylization to the, the books um, and even finding like new talent and things like that as well. Um, what What is, you know, going from 90 to 2004 as a publisher, you know, making decisions on what were you kind of, for you, like what gave you foundation to what you're looking for and things like that? Because the comics that were coming out were just uh, absolutely amazing. Well, before that, um, you have to remember when Rob left, mm -hmm. That was half of the books that Image was publishing. That's right, yeah. And then when Jim left, that was another half of the books that Image was publishing. So Larry Martyr, wow. who never wanted to be a publisher, you know, he told us right from the beginning, I don't want to be a publisher, which is why we gave him the name executive director, because he was directing the executives. Okay? okay. But he didn't want to be the publisher. He really, really did not want to do that. So he had brought in all these books to make the monthly nut for the office to oh, keep okay. the office alive. You know, I need $10,000 every month. So I got to have all these books to make that nut. Gotcha. Right. Um, and so there were a lot of books that I just felt weren't worthy of image. Gotcha. There was a lot of titillation books, a lot of swimsuit issues, a lot of, <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. just really juvenile stuff, you know? So I came in and said, um, I'm going to scorch the earth and I'm going to rebuild everything and hopefully with better books. Wow. And, and it was tough going for a while there, but I managed yeah. to bring in people like Warren Ellis mm -hmm. and Michael, uh, uh, Joseph Michael Linsner and Brian, uh, um, Brian Bendis, and yeah. you know a bunch of people like that that I brought into the company to try and lift us up. Yeah, and that was a uh, the the idea, the notion was good books, not genre, anything. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like if it's a cool book, then I want to do it. It could be a superhero yeah. book. That was fine. Um, I mean, I got pitched, um, it's the TV show Homicide, except they investigate the murders of superheroes. That's oh, powers. Yeah, right? wow. wow. Amazing. Um, I got pitched, you know, what if the Kennedys had superpowers? And that was yeah. noble causes. Wow. Right? So all someone had to come up to me was with one sentence, say something that I went, I want to read that. That's a good idea. Tell me that Amazing. story. Um, and it's something that Eric Stevenson, who worked with me through most of that time, and yeah. even before then, I, I brought Eric into comics a long time ago um, wow. and got him the job with Extreme. Okay. And, um, Eric followed that formula, you know, just... I see, yeah. I don't care about genre. I, I don't, I mean... One of the conversations Eric and I had was that we, um, we didn't have any superhero books in the line. This was early on. It must have been about 2000 or so. 
And so we asked a couple of friends, Keith Giffen, uh, uh, who else? Uh, Andy Kuhn and, and uh, uh, Hester, Phil Hester, a couple mm -hmm. other people to do a superhero thing for us. And Kirkman called us up and asked, hey, can I be in on that? <laughs> like, uh, uh, and uh, he, uh, he wanted to do a book called um, Bulletproof. Okay. Oh. Just said, you know, I just don't think that's a, a you know, a great name. You know, it just, man, I don't know, it doesn't ring. And he came up a day or so later and goes, "How about Invincible?" Oh man, that's a cool name. Yeah, that's a good name. I like that. That's so powerful. Good. It's it, every, it it's a good name. That, yeah. You know, we can we can do a book with that name. So, what happened was. I looked more towards a diverse line and Stevenson yeah. has done the same thing today. Now, if you look at image today, yeah, it looks yeah. nothing like the way we started. Oh, it's totally. Yeah. It's completely and totally different. Eric's got very good taste. So, you know, um, there you go. Thank you for telling us. It's, it's amazing. Uh, it just seemed, you know, the, the storyline of, of image itself and you running uh, Shadowline as well. Uh, pop yeah. in some amazing notables that people already know. If you don't, you should definitely go check these out. Uh, you got Rat Queens, uh, uh, Memoirs of a Very Stable Genius. Uh, showed this a little earlier as well. Lighthouse. And then yeah. Bomb Queen, come on. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's just amazing stuff. And you, we did talk about this uh, a little before the interview. I'm super stoked about it. 30 years in the making. Uh, this is coming up here. The official image timeline. Uh, we expect that in, uh, in February 2022. Yeah. Uh, what an absolutely amazing run. So going, lead, can you go into leading into that, th uh, this right here, uh, what got, people can expect in February with this and, and the whole run of it? What it's going to be, the first half or more of the book is going to be an actual timeline. Now, when I was initially thinking of it, I, I realized I didn't want to do Timelines are always done either horizontally or vertically, right? Okay, yes. And then yes. you have things going off of like a tree, like branches off a tree. Yeah. And I thought, I, I didn't want to do that. So instead what I did was all the pages pretty much are married. What that means is that you open them up and it's, it's like a spread, okay? Oh, cool. And on the um, right and the left side are columns. And in the columns is the copy, what happened, what it was, when it was, that kind of stuff. And it just goes chronologically. It starts from when we were at Marvel. Okay. It starts wow. with um, the, uh, the books that, you know, the three big books, you know, that, that the boys did, the, the three, three big guns did. Yeah. And the dinner with Dave Ulbrich and... Rob getting everybody. I mean, it literally starts at the beginning. Amazing. And it goes, we'll go all the way to February 2022. Wow. Okay. So, you know, because we know what's coming in advance, right? Yeah. So on the, on the sides, in, in a sidebar, is all the information chronologically. And then in the middle is um, uh, the illustrations. It's, this is the very first page of the timeline. Okay, yeah, the three books. Oh, cool. Uh, there we go. 
Yeah, and then it comes. Right. Oh, I love that. So the column, the, the, you know, down, down the side, and then an illustration. Oh, so okay? cool. And like I said, it starts at Marvel. So Spider-Man, X-Force, The Executioner, which was the ad that Marvel yeah. told Rob he couldn't run. Okay. So that's the first page. Yeah. Love the All layout. Right. So... The rest of it is like <laughs> oh i see what you're saying yeah so in okay. the middle is that oh that's so cool in the Such middle are, are the the bot books and then on the sides is the information so let me see that's an amazing layout so it not only has you know the books but there's also stuff that hopefully people have never seen like photographs and stuff the photographs oh, wow. on my left are from the image tent in Chicago, 1992. Wow, really? And it just <laughs> goes like that throughout the whole thing. So there's stuff that hopefully a lot of people haven't seen, some yeah. rare stuff, some photographs, things like that. And That's then amazing. a lot of information to, there's always been a lot of information about image, a lot yeah. of misinformation. So hopefully this clears the story up a bit. Oh, that'd be amazing. I love that layout. I cannot wait. Uh, I'm going to put the link in for everybody uh, sure. as, as when I edit this. Um, can they uh, uh, pre-order this or when can they uh, look to? It'll be pre-ordered through, you know, through Diamond, just like all the rest of the books. It's going to be a prestige format book, very slick oh, paper, cool. hard cardboard covers, a, 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 a spine, you know, a, a, uh, so it'll it'll look like that. That's the nice. first part of the book. Then the second part of the book, it, it has a lot of the inferior. Um, so posters that we've designed, cool. you know, the jams between yeah. us. Um, so it, everybody designed a jam um, oh, wow. that all of us worked on. So those will be in there. Um, uh, statues a lot of statues there's a, a guy named stephen gold who has he has statues and he has a lot of the toys so he's sending me photographs and then i'm designing those pages oh amazing um, wow there's so all uh, encompassing yeah yeah i'm trying to show everything there, there's a whole bunch of there, there's a spread with just photographs you know through the years photographs of us amazing. through the years um there's a, a spread of, of ash cans, image ash cans that were done initially. And I've got a, an incomplete list of image comics. So this is really? like, yes, small column, there are columns across a page with tiny, tiny type and just thousands of books. <laughs> um, yeah, that I've been able to pull together. There's a spread of intercompany crossovers Oh, cool. Which is yeah. like Spawn, Batman, and all of those. They, they, oh, they yeah. text up a whole entire spread. And then um, intra-company crossovers, which where we crossed over with one another. Um, Amazing. You know, so like Gen 13 Max, you know, was a comic. Yes, you know, yeah. Um, oh, it was always so exciting when you saw the, the cross. Just like, you know, in the early days of like DC or Marvel, we see like, because the heroes have their own comics, and they cross once in a while. Yeah. That was, we always look forward to that. I do want to ask you this, like, you know, you've created a, a, a lot of amazing uh, comics, characters, content, you work with all the amazing stuff. Um, is there any uh, story or character maybe you've 
not brought to light yet or have worked on that you would love to bring to life? Not really, no. Okay. No. Um, no. I'm, I'm kind of retired from that end of things, you know. Um, when you, when you get into triple digits, you know, you got to slow down, you know, it's like, there's only so much I can do. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. I'm enjoying doing, you know, um, um, publishing books and bringing books, you know, bringing yes. books out. I've, I've got a book called, um, a thing called truth, which okay. is by two women from, um, Italy and it's an LGBTQ plus road trip um and it's a lot of fun it's really it the writing is great the artwork is just wonderful and alive it's just really really fun uh brian and i are bringing back hell cop um which uh yeah which is really cool it plays to all of his strengths you know this is a book that really (laughs) plays to his strengths uh that's brian haverland not brian bendis right um and uh then I have another book that's going to come out probably late next year called um, Dead Romans, which is just strikingly beautiful, just unbelievably beautiful. The title grabs right off the bat, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really, really incredible. I think it's going to knock people's socks off. Oh, Plus, awesome. there's a couple of other things that, you know, we've got in the works that we can't say anything about. Oh, You're right. I guess I can, even though we haven't made and we're going to talk later on today. Mm-hmm. But um, we're going to do a Shadowhawk one shot, and really? Philip Tan is going to be doing it. Wow! Really? Yeah, he's been a Shadowhawk fan for many, many years. Wow! So yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm not sure as far as you know Shadowhawk's concerned. I mean, it, you know, you just mentioned that right there. So is that like future? Uh, we can expect future iterations of Shadowhawk, and the, you know, bring him back, runs wise, or or moving on to other things. Um, well, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. You can do it, but I... <laughs> if we find someone who doesn't really run very fast, you know, we okay. may be able to to get it. You know, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I don't want to do it. Um, so there you go. I uh, Eric talked to me the other day about wanting to do an anthology book. Um. Oh. So he asked if I wanted to do a Shadowhawk story or a normal man story or something oh, like yes. that or or one of the autobiographical stories. And I just said, let me think about it, see what comes up, you know. So Yeah, there's something rather – yeah, that's another thing to bring in, normal man. That kind of uh, – <laughs> one of the first things, right? Uh, what was that uh, like for you? Because, uh, you know, specifically with normal man, kind of cutting your teeth on that and, you know, going into publication and things like that. Well, it was it wasn't my first published thing, but mm. it was it was my first published series. Series, yes. And it was our first mine and Ardvark Vanaheim's first color series and it took us a while to to figure out how to do it. Um we finally brought in Murphy Anderson, the artist on uh, Adam Strange and Hawkman yeah. and all those and he had a color house back in the day. Wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh um Anyways, he helped us. It was it was neat in the sense that that um, Aardvark Vanaheim was really cooking at the time. I mean, in, oh, as yeah, far yeah. as independent comics went, and so once again, I found myself in a group of of creators that I really respected and admired a great deal. Wow! So 
you know, and this was the second time in my career that this had happened. Image would be, well, Marvel would be the third, and then Image would be the fourth. Um, but, uh, um, you know, there was um, Dave Sim and Arn Saba and yeah. Bill Lobes and um, Joshua Quagmire at this for a little while, um, Bob Burden, um, Terry Beatty, and, uh, or Beatty. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, and uh, um, Max Collins. And there were a bunch of creators that were really cool, very good. And, and in a lot of ways, Artwork Vanheim and then Renegade Press informed what I would do with Image as a publisher. Oh, interesting. Because, That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, because Denny was very much, you know, she didn't want, uh, she didn't want books that were similar or books that ran the same path. She wanted books that were different, one from the next. Yeah, and interesting. Yeah. And you've been doing this for so long, uh, and, and doing such amazing work. Uh, and you've seen so much change in the industry. Been part of that change in many ways as well. Uh, what do you sort of see, uh, see or predict? Just the future of comics going. I, I know whether it's more digital or I mean, what. Do, what do you kind of see the future of comics projecting towards? A lot of people seem to think that it's going to go all digital. I don't think mm. so. No, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think there will be digital, mm. and that's okay. But I also think that. Um, I think it's important to have something for everyone, okay? And I yeah. think comic book fans by nature are very tactile. They want to hold Great something. Way. They they have a collector's mentality. Yes, okay? yeah. You cannot collect digital. I mean, you can, but there's nothing right. there. I mean, you know, you've got yeah. it on an on a, on a okay. iPad or something. Um, they, that's not what comic book fans like. They like stuff. Yeah, you know, it's heavy yeah. stuff. Um, <laughs> so, and comics yeah. are very, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, why not go all graphic novel? Why not go, you know, just straight to trade paperback or hardcover? Okay. Well, there's a few reasons. One of them is is that the um, economics don't support that model. Okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yeah. That people work on a monthly basis, just like a regular job. Yeah. And I think that's something fans seem to forget. This is a job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a great job, but it's a job. Yeah. There are people working in the offices that need to get paid. They have rent, they have kids, they have, you know, they need food. I don't know what's wrong with these people. Yeah, but, I hear it. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's rents to be paid, there's there's you know, offices to take care of. And there's retailers that need that influx of, of right. cash every single month. So it's it's not going to go to that necessarily. And again, comics are habitual. They are yeah. a habitual medium. Um, yeah. And this started a long, long time ago. They figured that out with the Penny Dreadfuls, okay? Many, oh, many, yes. Yeah. A hundred or so years ago in, in England. And, you know, there were, there were plenty of authors who did a, a sequential um, publication of their work, including Shakespeare. That's a great way to, yeah, it, totally. So it was all habitual. Um, so I think we, you know, I think it's going to be a bit of everything, kind of like the way music is. It's a bit of everything. Um, and I think that's, that's great. That's, that's the way it should be. It, it's going to be a bit of everything. I, I, to I totally agree. Totally agree. The <laughs> only 
thing I can honestly say as far as, as um, telling you anything about what the future holds is this. Everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon of what the last big thing was. But if you look historically, the next big thing is always completely different from the last big thing. It's just true. completely, totally different. Comes totally out of left field. Yeah. Uh, yeah and you we, can't really predict that either, you know? Like it's, no, you uh, can't. You can't. We, we met this guy, um, we, uh, my friends and I, in about, I guess it was... Must have been 19-something or another. Who knows? Um, <laughs> they all mushed together after a while. But there was this guy, great guy, really friendly, warm, the kind of person that you feel like you've known forever after yeah. just meeting them, right? Yeah, I know. And he did this absolutely wonderful book. Right, this is just great. It was it was really neat. The drawings were great, the story was great. It was it was like wow, this is really a good book. Mm -hmm. Too bad it'll never go anywhere because it it just doesn't have because uh, it's too far out out of left field. We feel really bad for Jeff. Yeah. Buzz. Really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Better. I got this letter wow. back when people actually wrote letters a long time ago yeah. from this guy. And he said that he asked me how I handled um, cri criticism of my work. And he said that he and his, his uh, partner were getting all kinds of crap from people about how their book was derivative and they couldn't tell the characters apart and it was poorly drawn and blah, blah, blah. Wow. And he goes, how, how do you deal with this stuff? And I said, well, I, I, I put people into two categories. Those persons who like my work are, are persons of rare insight and intelligence. And those who yeah. don't are Neanderthals. Yeah. And like, so looking at it that way, it's fine. Yeah. That was Peter Laird. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so yes. when, the, when the turtles broke, I, I sent him back a note and said, you won. <laughs> that's unbelievable wow yeah. in closing here we have so much to look forward to the official image timeline uh and just seeing uh, thank you so much for showing so layout of the pages look amazing it showcased the artwork so well jim thank you so much for taking time doing this is an absolute honor talking with you <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's been great hey!